Okay, welcome back to our two-part series of Why Do I Not Own Bitcoin But Actually Love Blockchain. So if you have not checked out episode one, the part one, you must check it out because that forms the basis of discussion for today, right? Fundamentally, how do I see blockchain? Of course, we're not going about the technicalities, but it's just like, hey, so this is how I see it and how does that then inform my decision of whether should I own Bitcoin? In the grand scheme of cryptocurrencies, there are all sorts of things going on, all sorts of technologies being built on blockchain. But then, Bitcoin being that traditional godfather out there where, you know, a lot of people that are enthusiasts actually believe that it has value and is here to stay. I actually have a pretty different viewpoint. I'm going to share with you some reasons today why I do not own Bitcoin. Welcome home. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And in today's two-part series, we're going to spend time as to why I do not own Bitcoin. So there are many ways to look at this Bitcoin thing. Um, of course, over the week, we will be having more guests like on the Thursday sessions with people that are really pros in the space. Right? We're trying very hard to make sure we do not bring on Chapalang people like everybody that crosses our doors that you listen to um, are you know, verified, curated, that they're good. Right? It's not just because they're famous or whatnot. So we make sure that they know what they're saying and that's why we have actually quite a hard time <laughs> trying to make sure we get good guests. But in this month, I think we have two very good guests in the crypto space that came on and they will come on to talk more about it. So I'm not a pro, but I know many of you guys just want to hear my perspective, just kind of how I see Bitcoin. So like I said, uh, Bitcoin is the traditional guy, the godfather in the space. It's kind of where everything started. And how I looked at Bitcoin, uh, based on where I left off last week, it's really just an incentive system, right? So to get people to participate in the blockchain, to put their computing resources, to put their time, their manpower, to go into this blockchain thing, essentially the byproduct of incentivizing you is to give you Bitcoin in exchange for your resources that you put in. That is kind of how I see it. Of course, different people will see it differently. And over time, Bitcoin has taken a life of its own, way beyond the blockchain. Right? People don't even talk about the Bitcoin blockchain much anymore. Right? People talk about Bitcoin as a digital asset, like you know, a, a digital goal or a hedge of inflation, you know, the future currency of the world, and what have you not. Right? So uh, Bitcoin has gotten past the technicalities of the blockchain and really gone into being seen as an asset on its own, right? And being seen as having its own characteristics, which is uh, very interesting. 
But much like any other kind of investments out there, you really have to look beyond, you know, simple marketing taglines like easy to onboard, very safe, you know, uh, compounded growth over time. All those kind of things are very, very uh, marketing angles. And uh, many companies fall into this problem of like brand building, marketing angling and all those kind of stuff, which um, actually I know why they do it because it's very effective from a sales angle. But if you want to be a very good investor, you got to see past all these things and kind of ask yourself what is going on, right? What are the fundamentals of, of uh, these investment strategies or these investment tools? And same for Bitcoin, same for the crypto space. There are a lot of, you know, people that are trying to hype this thing up, a lot of maximizers that are pushing this idea and they use all these kind of interesting taglines to try to kind of mask up the fundamentals as to what is going on. And I'm going to share with you some of them today, which basically forms, you know, my understanding of why I don't want this thing. Right? I'm not interested in Bitcoin. So the very first reason um, why I do not own Bitcoin is that I do not see Bitcoin as an inflation hedge. Okay, So inflation hedging is something that people make it sound like this is the thing. You know, buy Bitcoin, it's going to you know, hedge against inflation because uh, the Fed is printing a lot of money and all this kind of stuff, right? So to me, that is a little bit of a problem you need to understand what is hedging, right? So essentially, hedging is to try to mitigate, you know, uh, price movements. Try to mitigate unwanted price movements. That is generally hedging. So most people will hedge the downside, right? Which means they don't want uh, their US dollar to depreciate, so they will hedge. Or they don't want, you know, their stocks to go below a certain price, so they will hedge. They don't want their portfolio to go down too much so they will hedge and there are many many different ways to hedge if you don't want your portfolio to go down too much you want to reduce volatility you hedge with bonds right you essentially you dampen your volatility with non-correlated assets uh, if you don't want your currencies to go down too much most people will hedge with gold they buy gold as a stabilizer you know against their currency movement right uh, some people just outright buy options you buy insurance um, there are many ways to go about hedging but the idea of hedging essentially is debt, right? So that you will not, you know, experience that kind of downside fluctuation that you want. But I think a lot of people when they are looking at Bitcoin, right, they're not trying to hedge it, you know? They're not trying to use it as a hedge. They are really trying to capitalize on, you know, the right up. And that is not a problem, actually. If you're trying to capitalize on, you know, the future movement, you're trying to capitalize on assuming more money is going to come in and, you know, Bitcoin is going to be more and more expensive and then you want to ride up this wave, you know, I think it's perfectly fine, right? If that is what you believe in, you believe that there are fundamentals here and more money is going to come in and we're going to push up the Bitcoin prices, you can participate, go ahead, do what you need to do. But the problem is when you kind of fall into this idea of, oh yeah, this is an inflation hedge, right? So when you fall into a certain marketing narrative, you know, that isn't exactly doing what it says, to me, that is uh, pretty scary. Of course, recently, Dalio and The Financial Horse, they both published uh, very good articles around this thing and I briefly took a look. And I think Financial Horse specifically talk about this thing as an option. Essentially, means that you are trying to buy a potential upside if one day Bitcoin becomes the dominant currency or you know, if one day cryptocurrency becomes so accepted and Bitcoin continue to ride up this you know, capitalization game. That means more and more money is going to come in and then Bitcoin prices are going to go up. So you're buying an option towards the upside, which is fine if you see that way. But it is not fundamentally an investment hedge. But scary enough, a lot of people in the crypto community actually sees it this way. So 
if you look at it, whether is it you know talking about hedging inflation or whether is it talking about like digital gold as an asset, you know, uh, fundamentally all of them are pushing this narrative that you know it is here to preserve value and kind of protect yourself from inflation, right? So th- this is the central narrative that's out there. But to me, because it is so volatile, every day it's moving, every minute it's moving, every 10 minutes of transaction, it is moving like mad. I don't see where the preservation is coming from and I don't think that this use case really works because if it is so volatile, it's very hard for big money to come in and if it's very hard for big money to come in, it's very hard for it to continue to flip and grow. Which brings me to point number two. All right, Point number two as to why I do not own Bitcoin is that today... Net-net is already at 1 trillion market cap. I don't think it can 10x. And I will share with you more afterward from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, why is 10x so important? Because a lot of people in this space are trying to sell you the idea of digital gold, right? They're trying to make you feel like, yeah, 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 this is the future because there's limited number, cannot issue anymore, it's very stable, there's scarcity, and you know, you cannot overprint it. So this is digital gold. And when they do that, 10 trillion is always um, the benchmark because 10 trillion is the overall market capitalization of gold, which means all the gold times current price is at 10 trillion on average, right? And because I do not see it as digital gold, I do not see it as an inflation hedge, I don't think, you know, it can go anywhere near 10T. And I'm sure you know a little bit about gold, right? Like everybody talks about it and uh, it is the inflation hedge, you know, by um, nomenclature and trust standards, which means, right, a lot of um, central banks, they own gold, right? A lot of big uh, companies, they own gold. A lot of big institutions, they buy gold as that inflation hedge. And that's why it confers its value, you know? And the value really lies in the trust because of history, because, you know, um, all the big boys give it that trust, you know, if today pebbles were what central banks, you know, collect, maybe it will be Flintstone Edge lah. But (laughs) either way, because the central banks own it um, and they give it the trust, that's why people, you know, confer it value because there's no real use case for gold also. It's barely 3% of overall usage. But if you want to translate that to Bitcoin being that digital goal of the future, firstly, all these big institutions have to own it and all these central banks have to own it and they have to own it not in a way that they are trying to profit from this thing, but they have to own it in a way that they are trying to use it as a basis you know, to hedge against whatever they are doing or use it as a basis of trust so that people will trust their currency issuance. Which is why every time, you know, there's like economic crisis or every time it seems like there's an increase of war, you know, a lot of these central banks and these big companies, they will turn to gold. They will literally buy gold, you know, to kind of beef up that trust uh, where other countries will kind of have a good trust with them. Which is why Russia, China, they've recently been, you know, buying a lot, a lot of gold. So if Bitcoin does not 
you know, share that same level of trust as gold, what makes you think that it can go from 1 trillion net capitalization today to 10 trillion capitalization, which is the total, you know, value of gold today? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know. Uh, but of course, if suddenly one day, you know, uh, the Federal Reserve, MAS, you know, China Central Bank, they all agree that, hey, we're going to accept Bitcoin, we're going to keep Bitcoin as something, oh, then this is a whole different discussion altogether. But till then, I don't see it really happening, right? And of course, if we have to bring it down to an investment perspective, right, from 1 billion go to 10 billion, uh, it's very easy. Okay, there are a lot of people that can participate in this. Um, but from 1 trillion to go to 10 trillion uh, is, is how much money needs to come in? 9 trillion more needs to come in, which is why Bitcoin today is still relatively volatile um, because it's only 1 trillion. That means if you have a few billion, you have a few hundred billion, you can kind of play around with this um, ecosystem and money can keep moving. All right. So centrally, if you think about it, to really bring up the chances and the possibility, whether is it from a fundamental viewpoint or whether is it from a, a perspective that more money can come in from 1 trillion to 10 trillion, it's not going to happen, right? Uh, objectively, when we look at the probability of it happening. So if it's not going to happen, then why do I want to subscribe myself to this uh, upside limitation with uh, downside risk? Um, okay, maybe I come from a different perspective because I can buy growth stocks that will, you know, I won't say easily, but I can buy growth stocks that can three times, five times, uh, maybe some can 10 times. And it is not that foreign or not that weird for these things to happen in the stock market. Of course, they do carry similar volatility. So because I'm more familiar with the stock market, I just stay with the stock market. I don't really need to come to the crypto market to see anything. And if you want to see a parallel, right, the crypto market, with Bitcoin being the crypto market, that your parallel is kind of like buying an Amazon and hoping Amazon will 10 times, you know. To me, it's like, wow, how is that even possible, right? It's Maybe it's possible, I, I don't know, but at today's price, you know, it's, it's not for me. It's too expensive, right? If I was a believer, you know, five years, 10 years ago, which is what a lot of these guys are, you know, a lot of these guys that um, are propagating this Bitcoin idea, they are believers from many, many years ago. So it's, it's the same idea with like how our parents are propagating HDB, right? Same idea because they bought it at a very, very cheap price and they gone past that, you know, that capital growth, right? But in today's price, is it worth it? I don't think so. If, will it 10x? I don't think so. But I'm not a pro. Just take me you know, as education, entertainment purposes only. Don't take me as reference, okay? Which brings me to point number three. And that is, I do not think Bitcoin will fundamentally take over the traditional financial system that we know it today, okay? Why is this important to understand and why this forms a very core pointer within my understanding of Bitcoin because um, there are a few narratives out there. One of the narratives, of course, is the digital gold one, right? The other is the inflation hedge and both are like fundamentally very weird because there's no trust and, you know, um, it is too volatile to be a hedge and we have talked about it earlier. But the biggest, biggest discussion out there is that Bitcoin can potentially take over as the currency of the future where decentralization is the thing, right? There will be no central governance. There will be nobody that can easily manipulate money. And that is why a lot of people are buying into this idea, right? So it's a lot more emotional, a lot more futuristic than it is uh, realistic and practical and strategic. So when I look at this thing, right, uh, 
This is a very big problem because there's a dichotomy here. The people that truly believe in the Bitcoin future, they don't understand, many of them do not understand how broad the traditional financial economy is. With your primary dealers, you know, your reserve currencies, and you know, the euro dollar system. These are very, very big systems that, uh, you know, it's not so easy to kind of like flip around just like that. Right? And then all these traditional guys that believe in the traditional financial system, I don't know, it's because they are too comfortable, they're so used to it, and it's, it's becoming their thing, that they find it very hard to understand the other side of the story, which is the whole beauty of going on a blockchain, the beauty of you know, making things happen you know, um, in a digital space with much faster way of doing things, no clearing houses in between to kind of manage this thing. So both sides are singing their own story. But I actually stand closer to the story of the traditional guys because if you go and understand how big this um, broad financial ecosystem is, you know that it's very hard to adjust because there's too much political interest, financial interest, and a lot of things involved in this. Which is why there's the rise of the stablecoin like Tether or whether is it with like uh, the SG stablecoin with Exfers. Um, they really are kind of like in between where they leverage on all the beauty of the blockchain but they actually have central governance behind a lot of these things, right? They have to ring fence their money in a custodian account or, you know, in, uh, in Exfer's case, they have to put money with the MAS, right? So if you look at this thing, right, you realise that there's too much political interest here and it's virtually impossible to shut down the current financial system unless you go for war, unless there's a political change, unless, you know, like, China take over or something. But if honestly, if China takes over, right, I totally don't think it will happen. Because if you think the US is not going to give a, lib a highly liberal decentralized Bitcoin to be your currency of the future, China will never happen. This is I can guarantee you. Right? China will never give that. China is going to issue their own digital yuan to try to compete with the Bitcoin in their own space. Right? And, and that is a whole different exciting uh, discussion altogether. But precisely because the traditional financial system is too big to change, you can go and read out on it. I'm not going to elaborate more because it's too complicated. If you're a big fan and you want to kind of go and like geek it out, right? Go and um, search Eurodollar University, I think, or Macro Voices, right? These two podcasts have very, very deep discussion on this. But yes, because the system is too big, I fundamentally do not think that Bitcoin will take over. It will live within the ecosystem. It will live as one of the assets. It will live as one of, you know, the thing in the broader financial ecosystem. But to believe that Bitcoin will take over and become the currency that we use and we exchange with, a bit wow lah, okay? Maybe a bit uncle, I don't get it lah. But, but you get the idea, it's too big. And this is why I do not own Bitcoin at this current moment in time. Because I do not subscribe to all the narratives that people put out there. And I'm going to sum it up today, okay? Point number one, why I do not own Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is not an inflation hedge, okay? Whether you believe that it's a digital goal or whether you believe in, you know, uh, the whole idea of inflation hedging, I think it is too volatile. It is not a hedge. So it's very hard for big money to come in. And, you know, it is essentially a marketing statement, right? It does not align with the fundamentals of what is going on. So to me, it's like, nah, does not serve that function. Which brings me to point number two, and that is, I think it's very hard for Bitcoin to 10x, right? Because it's already at 1 trillion, hovering at 1 trillion. To go to 10 trillion is not a walk in the park. You must have a lot of money parking into this thing, right? And I think it's not possible because I don't really see the incentive for people to do it. People may park a little bit of money here and there, um, but... To make it 10T, wow, think about Amazon 10 times, right? It's crazy, right? The world will be like an Amazon world, right? So I think that it's not possible. And number three is that 
I do not fundamentally think Bitcoin can overtake um, the current financial system. Of course, some maximizers will tell you they can, but to me, if you understand how broad this system is, it's very, very hard. So if it's not a hedge, it's not a digital asset, um, it does not really have the kind of capability to take over the financial system, then what it is, I don't know. <laughs> At best, Bitcoin will stay as one of those asset class that you know is around and Given the current pricing, given the current scenario, the risk-reward-return does not meet what I want. So that's why I do not own it. Um, does not mean that you cannot own it. I'm just here to kind of educate you and share with you my perspective. Definitely check out the other interviews where they are the pros and they have very interesting perspectives. So I, pick, I picked up a lot of stuff learning from them. So yeah, check out Thursday series and I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the Financial Coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for weekly newsletter, everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we should talk to, reach out to us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yay! So we wrap up this uh, two-part series and I have officially put my view on Bitcoin online. <laughs> so yeah, I hope you guys uh, learn some things and see things from uh, my perspective. I, like I said, I'm not a pro in this thing. I hope that you can go and explore different, different perspectives. And if you see any interesting points, definitely bring it back. We can have a great discussion. Um, this is not a dictatorship, right? <laughs> We're here all to learn and kind of, you know, just grow and be each other's, you know, accountability partner, accountability partner um, on this journey towards the life we love while managing our finances as well. All right, Thursday series will be great this um, this month because of all these uh, Bitcoin, uh, no, like crypto pros that we're bringing on. And if you know any crypto pros, definitely uh, talk to us. But for next week, we're gonna like kind of move a little bit away from uh, crypto per se, and we gotta talk a little bit about cash apps. You know, uh, recently there's been a lot of uh, reduction of interest rates from a lot of these cash apps. Um, I'm gonna share with you why it's gonna stay very low, and you know kind of let the reality set in. Like, what are they actually trying to do with these cash apps and why they will stay low? And once you recognize that, then maybe you want to kind of reposition how you see finances, how you see cash. Right, so that will be next week. And yeah, meanwhile, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. Take care, guys. Bye.